water, earth, fire, air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Latest Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Podcast about all things Avatar. Here we are returning once again to book two of Avatar Last Airbender. This time we're going with The Return to Amashu, uh, book two, chapter three. So happy to be back. Happy to be back with you, Isaac, here talking about some more Avatar. Thank you, sir. Glad to be back. Also, who wrote and directed this one, sir? I did not do the research on that. So did you? Uh... Um, yeah, Elizabeth uh, Ehaz and oh, uh, I don't remember the director. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. Well, they, well, there we go. Elizabeth Ehaz back again. There we go. But I guess to uh, jump into the summary, we'll we'll do that. Then we can jump into the episode proper, as we usually do. Continuing directly after the previous episode, the gang has arrived at the now occupied city of Amashu. And Aang, despite the urging of his friends, is resolute on entering the Imperial Stronghold and finding out what's happened to his friend, King Bumi. They enter through the sewers and covertly explore the city, looking for a potential prison to house the trapped earthbenders. But upon exiting the sewer, Sokka is covered in marks caused by the removal of the purple pentapuses, which had latched onto him during the sewer escape. This aids them when a group of guards find them, but Katara wards them off by claiming the marks are a symptom of the pentapox plague a faux deadly disease that she made up just in that moment. And remember this bit, folks, because that's going to come back later. But during the gang's search of the city, they happen to stumble upon an assassination attempt on the daughter of the Fire Nation governor. And Aang, seeing the potential threat, saves the girl on instinct. But this girl, May, misinterprets Aang's attempts to help her as the initial attack and begins a chase. But while on the run, they're saved slash captured by the earthbending resistance to this occupation, and we'll get to more of that in a little bit, but first let's jump over to the Azula side of the episode. Thanks to the counsel of her two creepy old friends, she decides on a different course of action for tracking her brother. And in doing this, she goes and visits an old friend, Ty Lee, who's traveling with a circus. She invites Ty Lee to help her in her quest to capture Iron Zuko, but Ty Lee rejects her offer, stating that she loves her life in the circus. Azula accepts this, but says she wants to stay and watch Ty Lee's performance. Back with Team A, the occupation gives them an update on Bumi, and we discover that the king chose to surrender immediately upon the Fire Nation's arrival. Aang advises the Resistance members to follow King Bumi's lead and abandon the fight for the city. After some minor disagreement, they choose to agree with Aang, and the group decides that the safest way for all of them to escape the Fire Nation stronghold is by claiming that they've become infected by the Pentapox Plague. But as the group enact their plan, Aang goes off on his own to locate Bumi. The plan proves successful, and the troops drive all the infected people out of the city. In his search, Aang finds that Flopsy has been forced into the labor pool and frees him, using him to help Aang track down Bumi. But in a spot of terrible supervision, Momo has gone off on his own in search of food and comes across the governor's infant son. Calamity ensues as the baby accidentally falls off the roof and lands on a food cart on one of Omashu's many slides. 
Momo happens to land on this same slide, and the two end up landing in the procession of exiting people. The governor assumes that his missing child was intentional, and this happy accident leads to a prisoner exchange, King Bumi, for the infant's freedom. But back with Tai Li, Azula decides to sabotage Tai Li's performance in order to trick her into joining the mission. This works, and the two of them go off together to the city of Omashu, where they pick up Mei, who also joins them. But before they go off together, Azula decides that their first order of business should be to conduct the prisoner exchange themselves. And to prove their baddie status, the trio decides to call it quits on the deal, and Aang has to chase after Bumi as they pull him away from the scene and begin an attack. But during the attack, Aang is exposed as the Avatar. Azula goes after him, while the other two attack Sokka and Katara, who would return to aid in the prisoner exchange. During the chase, Bumi informs Aang that he would rather have remained a prisoner, as his choice of surrendering was utilizing a fighting technique called Neutral Jin, one of the vital components to earthbending. He instructs Aang that in his search for an earthbending teacher, that he finds someone who has mastered the style of waiting and listening, one who knows the right moment to strike. With this message delivered, Bumi returns himself to the Fire Nation, and Team A and Team Azula both head off to their mutual adventures. After Aang returns the baby to his family, that is, and the credits roll. So, uh, are you at the, the old timestamp zero? Should we should we jump into it? Timestamp zero, legally or illegally purchased copies, of course. I really hope that if Bryke were listening to us, I'm. Do I condone people watching this illegally? Uh, some hey, people gotta do what people gotta do. If they like the show, then hopefully it's available everywhere for for somebody. But always usually is like available behind a paywall, so. Some people can't afford it, or some people would rather not. So I defer to the person, not so much me. But I just know that people do watch these things legally and illegally. So really, what can you do? Uh, well, all we can do is is hit play and, and three, two, one, play. Look out, y'all. Better, like, buy this legally, or else all four of these people are going to, like, come at you. That's right. Break down your door, and, and there you go. Oh, not only that, now they just sent, like, a whole, like, navy at you. Look at that. Oh, no. Bam! Yeah, oh, now we got the big guy. They brought, they brought in the big guns and the sun. They should put an anti-piracy message out on these discs with the <laughs> this theme. Oh, looks like he left, and now he's no longer there. Oh, wait, we got a new enforcer. Here he comes. Look at this guy. Oh, man. Look at this guy. God tier. Look at this. This guy, like, oh, oh, we don't stand a chance. We stand, we do no. not stand a chance. Whistler son. He's in God mode. <laughs> beware. Beware. This man. He completely will like take us all out with his air scooter. Oh, it's a little symbol above the book too. It's interesting. But anyway. It's, what do you mean the symbol above book two? Now I'm rewinding. Yeah, there was a tiny little symbol there. Uh, I think that's Chinese calligraphy. Yeah. Calligraphy, excuse me. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's a symbol. That, that's, that's a word in Chinese. Don't tell me what it is, but it's something. That's not Whistler Sun. That's really not the Whistler Sun. Oh, but yeah, we pick up here pretty much immediately after the, the previous episode, I think. Maybe it's been like a couple minutes, but yeah, the group, they've, they've come upon the city of Amashu, the place they've been traveling. And as we said in the previous episode, now it's occupied by the Fire, Fire Nation troops. It's been captured off screen. Yeah, they even say the last uh, Earth Nation... Uh, stronghold is the city of Bossing Bossing Say. So, so there you go. 
Yeah, no, no, no longer that. Um, and it would seem that in these past few seconds, things have changed for the DR movie animated this. Yeah, yeah, and you can tell later on in the episode. You can definitely tell. Even here, you can tell. I no, I could, I could tell immediately because, like, from the previous episode of the Cave of Two Lovers, the landscape looked very different. Now this looks yeah. completely different. It's DR going back to the. I mean, to be fair, it's pretty much like correct. Actually, no, I don't think it was DR movie that did the animation for. Uh, the first episode in the King of Amashu. I think it was something else. I think it might have been JM. I don't remember now. Oh, but um, yeah. So the group, they're like, okay, well, you know, maybe we should move on, try to find somewhere else. This clearly has been taken over. But Aang, he's just like, I don't even care about looking for like a teacher at this point. I just want to find my friend, and so I have to press forward and and go into the city. Yeah. So I I admire that. That's that's very good uh, of Aang. Um, even though he didn't know Boomy that long, it's and, you know the question whether or not he knows Katara and Sokka longer, and he's you know been with them through thick and thin and you know, a little more personal stuff. You do wonder if it's like it just shows that he does have priorities, <clears throat> and he's he's not willing to let somebody just go. Um, if if evidence of that, it was Zuko, who I just realized is absent from this entire like piece, but I think that's okay. Yep. Yeah, it was funny in my notes having to write, uh, or my summary, having to say back with Team uh, Azula. Yeah. <laughs> or back on the Azula side of the episode. Never had to do that before. Yeah, because there's no team yet. Spoilers. There's not a team left. Maybe there's something at the end of this episode, but we'll get to that later. Um, so yeah, I, I admire the fact that Aang is helping out his 100-year-old friend. Can't believe I'm saying that. Um kind of wonder if those there's going to be another instances of instance of time travel eventually not time travel but like somebody's freezing uh it would have to be an avatar unless there was like certain way like somebody could freeze and come back to life yeah i'm sorry that's a little bit of a derailment but i'm stopped at uh 150 right now 150 this is the image of um the three of them ang standing on top of a like a pipe a sewage pipe yep and for whatever reason, that the background just looks real strange. I don't know what's going on there. Strange, you say? Okay. Like it almost, like it almost looks like there's like some sort of, I don't know, like some sort of like overlay or something on the. Oh, I see exactly what you mean. It's almost like it's a like real world image cropped in there, and it's yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. It's weird. Very weird. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Where like the background is just yeah. I, I couldn't tell you, I don't know my technical terms for that, but yeah, that just does not look properly in place. Yeah, and it definitely draw, drew attention to itself, but... Is it? Dude, it looks like it's... There's mud on the screen, maybe. No, mud on the screen, like it's smudged, potentially. Uh, yeah, I was almost going to say it almost looked like the, like water splashing or something. There was some sort of like damage to the, the art, but yeah. I don't know. The cell itself looks... Yeah, the whatever the background cell was, maybe it got damaged somehow. Golly, that looks that yeah. looks interesting. Weird, yeah, it definitely does. Anyways, oh, but um, this scene with with them going up the the sewage pipe also made me think of the Avatar: The Burning Earth. There's a scene where they they do a similar thing, and they're in like the underground of a city. I think maybe it's even the city of Amashu. Now that I think about it, so maybe that was just you know, it's almost like the game took ideas and or took parts from the episodes itself. Oh wait, it did. Yeah, I guess it did. Yeah. <laughs> But them going up the, they go up the sewage pipe to sneak into the city, and I really like the uh, the little beasties that we see here, these little uh, pentapuses. But I like when they come up out of the the sewer pipe, and Sokka he looks like 
like some sort of like some sort of gooey monster. Um, oh, there's this there's this um, Hong Kong film that I'm thinking of. Oh, I wish I could remember what it was called. Or that's what the monster looks like. He's actually like a superhero. He transforms into a guy that looks like that. I think it's maybe it's called the Oily Monster or something like that. But, but anyway, I like the little like Scooby Doo touch of horror bit there. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. It's the goop monster. He's coming to goop you all. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> and he's got his army of purple pentapuses. Yeah. Pentapie. That's what it is. Pentapie. Um, creature of the episode. I know Flopsy and Momo and Appa are all like adorable, but these little cuties are just like, I don't know, man. These these things look way too adorable. Yep. Super cute. Oh, by the way, uh, the movie I was talking about was called The Oily Maniac. Just as a by the way, starring Danny Lee. So yeah, somebody might might know from uh, some Hong Kong pictures. But but anyway, sorry, derailment. <laughs> no, 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 that's fun. No, no, that's a good derailment, I'd say. Um, <laughs> Maybe a potential uh, commentary for the podcast at some point. But, but anyway, the other channel. Yes, other channel. Yes. But yeah. Um, so unfortunately, Sokka, he's always the butt of the joke. He's the only one that got covered in filth and the only one that got covered in these these penta penta pie which turns out to be uh, very helpful for them as these guards stumble upon them like, hey, what are you guys doing out here? Because I guess maybe they have everyone like locked down in a curfew or something. Yes, yeah, <laughs> most likely they do. Um, and then using her quick wits, Katara's like, ah, it's just uh, it's uh, just an old case of the um, pentapox. Mm, pentapox. So five pox, you say, interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure I heard of those. Yeah, it's a pretty deadly uh, disease, I think, from what I've heard. Oh, yeah, you know, I think my, my uncle had him. <laughs> oh, man, did he did he live? I mean, I think it's pretty fatal. Oh, that's just very fatal, my friend. Uh, first, <laughs> you know, you, you get covered in all these, these, these spots, and then it starts to get a little weird. Like, you start either seeing that your limbs are turning purple um, and, and transforming, and, like, like the, 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 the spots themselves turn into pores, so you either expand your own pores or like they create your own pores. And then all of a sudden, like you're, you're, you're like, you got tentacles, not tentacles. Well, yeah, you got, you got tentacles for legs and arms. And maybe soon you like start growing, like your, your head gets bigger and you become like this bipedal, uh, purple pentapie. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really weird. I heard it's, it's some crazy stuff. Come like a zombie guy. <laughs> have a weird attraction to dark sewer areas. We'll always live in the sewers hashtag sewer level yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll get back to some of that in a little bit but first we have to cut over to azula and her two old creepy creepy lady friends yeah they have a name i forgot <laughs> golly they look different yeah and i gotta i was just about to say i, I got a comment i i do not think that they were very well realized at all in this episode that's fair that that's fair yeah i mean i don't want to knock our, our buddies over there at dr movie too much but I really think that they were done a big disservice with, with those old people. But anyway, yeah, these, these, these like uncle Iroh advisors. Yes. Yeah. Or counterparts. Um, basically set up for like, you know what Azula needs either. She, okay. You see the writers are like, okay, either Azula needs to, we're going to do the same thing over where the Royal provision or procession, whatever it's called. Um, she could be on a ship again. And, um, just track her brother and uncle that way, just like last season with, with Zuko and Uncle Iroh. Or we could do something different. 
And so that's either the, you know, Elizabeth Welch Ehaz or whomever it was uh, coming up with that idea or wanting to be different or just, yeah, it was the initial idea. I don't really, I think it's a great idea because it is different. Yep. So, you know, it's, it, obviously it would be interesting to see her like run the crew a little differently than Zuko, but as we saw, you know, in the first episode, but um, no, I like what they're going to do. And basically, you know, they advise her, Hey, go, uh, go on foot, basically travel by foot. It actually might really help. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm excited to jump into the, the her two companions that we meet later on. I think that's some super fun stuff, but we'll get to them. Yeah, first we have to cut back to the gang and they're running around in their little their little uh, Jedi hoods and and Aang has his little head covering as he likes to likes to have. Where else you get... And they stumble upon Oh, he should, he should really get a headband. <laughs> yeah, I think he could pull off a headband, but maybe leave the top a little too exposed, you know. That's just get a toque. Yeah, that or grow out some hair. Might help him. Oh, granite hair. That's an interesting yeah. idea. I don't know. Uh, he wouldn't go for it. He's a monk. There's no way. There is <laughs> no way in all absolute heck you would ever see Aang have hair on the top of his head. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess let's keep an eye on the show. Let's see what happens. That's a, a point of development. I I doubt that. That's like if Zuko grew his whole hair. out. I guess he did. Yeah. But as we jump back to, to them and see their explorations, we see someone else with a bald head. Little baby. <laughs> Well, that and we first see uh, baby's older sister, much older sister, by the way. Well, I, I, I was curious how old because I'm not sure how old Azula is supposed to be. I'm assuming she's a teenager. I think canonically they're all about the same age. So I'm pretty sure she's either Azuko's 16 then she's 15. Oh, OK, I was going to say either like 13 or 14. I wasn't too sure. I could look up the wiki. I'm going to I'm not going to. Yeah, I get the sense that maybe she's a little younger, like just maturity wise. Something about Azula seems a little bit more. And and this girl, too, she's like a petulant teenager, like, oh, we're occupying the city, but I want to be anywhere else. I want to be hanging out with my friends. This place sucks. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have my no last name as far as I'm aware, but we have Mai. I'm pretty sure she has a last name. I don't remember now. But uh, Mai, the daughter of a governor, at least of, of Bossingse, right? Not Bossingse, sorry, uh, of Omashu. Uh, and as you can see, she really would like to introduce you all, or at least um, occupy your time with her um, moodiness. Reading her, sorry? I said moodiness, but. <laughs> yes. Her moodiness, uh, her performing some of her poetry and her air violin. Yeah, and her poetry would have something to do with the bleak, uh, bleakness of the city, the metal. The I don't know. <laughs> I can't come up with anything for it. But all these slides, man, what's up with these slides? She'll do a lot of odes and a lot of sonnets, but really, she's the kind of dirge person. Again, she'll play either. She's really good at the air, air violin or the air bass. Um, or or cello like just oh she's she's just so good at it i even hear she's good at the world's tiniest violin you know maybe maybe that's maybe she's been doing that and that's why this uh this resistance here wants to take her out because in this scene we see that they're they've set up a trap for them they got all these rocks waiting for them to cross their path and they're gonna drop them and kill them all so maybe maybe it's her fault her uh terrible readings <laughs> oh yeah no she tried to woo the citizens over of like listen we'll 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 win you over with music and so she starts she's a one-man band so she like plays her air violin first goes into her cello solo does the standing bass and then afterwards finishes off with uh the, the, um she does a ds uh ds alcoda part for the finale and uh does it on the world's tiniest violin <laughs> 
And she almost got it right, but she like got got the last note wrong. And so after that, she's like, you know, they all resisted and they're like, we're going to get you for this and we're not going to listen to you at all. And then they went undercover or something like that and went away. And they've been planning to, you know, throw rocks at her, a big rock at her anyways. <laughs> but Aang being the kind of person he is, I guess, either sees the child or sees at least the family uh, of people and sees the rock and is like, I Mm, I can't let this happen. This is uh fire nation or not. That's I, I can't let, I can't do this. And thus he t- swings his air staff at the rocks and flings them away. Yeah. Which is a cool moment. I, I like that. You know, he's always looking out for people and I, I do enjoy that. We get this early kind of setup for may. Or did you say my, I, I go with my, I'm pretty sure it's my, but I could be wrong on that. <laughs> okay. I can't remember. I can't remember what they said, but, but her, um, <laughs> we get this early kind of setup for her, her fighting prowess. She runs off and they immediately take out the guards, but she keeps the chase on and her and Katara have a little bit of a, an early matchup there. You can tell she's going to be a main character because the, uh, the, the crew hasn't like defeated her yet. Either plot armor or, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just give her that little bit of a highlight. Yeah. They kind of alert you. Yeah. Basically. Oh, the guards can't get a highlight. <laughs> I think they have had enough highlights from like book one. That's fair. We don't need more highlights of them. Yeah, this is an introduction to the character. Uh, the reason she's good at the, uh, well, kind of, I guess, translating to her uh, air string instruments, save for the guitar. Um, maybe she should go join those hippies from last episode. Maybe she'd probably fit right, right in them with all, or right with them, uh, is that she's really good with throwing darts or throwing knives. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say... This is a good skill to have, but there's some there's some stretches of like, okay, throwing knives is like one thing, but like stopping a falling shelf, I don't think is <laughs> I, I, I don't think is impressive, but it's not what she does there. It's where she ricochets a really fine blade, by the way, onto uh onto Ang's staff. That's gonna cause some marks. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's a good thing that uh, the Earthbenders step in there to pull him into the ground and kind of save them from continuing that fight. Because, uh, yeah, she definitely seemed like she would have been a match for them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd like to see her against Sokka. That would have probably been interesting, per- personally speaking, of course. Yeah, I guess we'll uh, see where it goes as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, physically, she might, like, uh, she keeps up the pace with him, so she probably has good cardio. Um Again, we don't really see at least Aang and Katara physically fight, so she's probably again she's a non-bender, so she doesn't have access to fire. So potentially she'll have to she compensates for fire by using you know throwing knives. I think you know she'll. I think it'll work for her. I'd say, but it would be interesting to see like you know them going. <laughs> I don't want to go with this, but yeah, how they would physically fight and how that would where that would lead to, but. Anyways, moving on, unless you have anything to say. Speaking of interesting things to see, we follow Azula and find her picking up her next, uh, the person that she was going off to search for, Kylie. Well, Kylie. Um, for for some reason, the whole world's upside down. Because <laughs> Azula's standing on the floor, on the ground, but she's like, you know, the floor is upside down, the sky is below, uh, is, is the ground. I don't know what's happening here. This is just... This is some weird like stuff we've we've gone into. This is really weird. Like I don't know if she's in the spirit world right now, but yeah, the whole perspective has changed. I don't know what for. 
Uh, we'll, we'll keep watching like five seconds ahead. Oh, that's why. Cause Tyler, <laughs> because Tyler's up, like, you know, doing a finger stand upside. So you gotta, down. you gotta keep it going. You know, I can't pause it on a single image there. You know, <laughs> I guess I can't. <laughs> yeah. And Tylee, um, I mean, this design, I think is just super cute looking. You know? <laughs> <sighs> um, so, um, confession, one of my, like childhood crushes i could see it i could see it if i was a little kid I could see why and i have to this might be a little like too much or this might be a little suggestive i'm gonna say it anyway it's weird always looking at her every time i come back to the series not she never changes it's not like that but it's like i'm the one that changes where i first saw her as a small child well, not a small child but i saw saw her as like a preteen and she was probably older than I was. But now I'm a 27-year-old watching this 15-year-old who I had a, whom I had a crush on. I know it's creepy, but whom I had a crush on uh as a kid. That's that's weird, right? Like that's that's awkward, right? Yeah, I don't know how to navigate that because I have that same thing where I'll watch something where I was like, oh, I used to have such a crush on this girl. And yeah, it's like, oh, but now I'm older. But but now I you know you could be like, oh but they're they were older than me at the time and they're still super attractive now that they're older still. But yeah, you know going back to them when they're younger, it's it is weird. It's hard to know how to navigate that. Yeah, that's like going. That's like looking at your high school yearbook and looking at like photos of your classmates, and then like looking at ones that you any any people that you used to like find attractive attractiveness to, and then that can be a little weird if you're looking at them in a romantic way of like, are you looking at them in a, like, are, are is it morally right to, well, I don't know if it's morally right, but is it morally right to look at, to, to do that at all? Or is it like, well, I, I think it's pretty immoral, but what well, do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Like I have pictures of girls that I dated when I was like, when we were in our teens and, you know, we, we grew up together and we stayed dating for, you know, past our teens is it weird to look back at the pictures when she was like 16 or 17 and be like, oh, yeah. I mean, she looked basically the same as she did when she was like 18 or 19. So it's weird to know what the difference is at that point. Well, I think I think there's a line to be drawn. I don't know what that is, but it's it's certainly I'm not going to say it keeps me up at night, but it's certainly something I ask myself every now and then if it's morally morally right to look at that and say, well, they're still pretty attractive like this. And then you go see yourself and what you looked like. Oh, I looked ugly back then. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it strange to think? Because, yeah, I mean, she uh, girls that I I mean, I looked pretty much the same from like 16 to probably 19. I had some minor changes, but not that dramatically. So, and I, I don't feel like I was that dramatically different a person at the time either. So I don't know. It's, it's weird to think. <sighs> well, I don't want to say anything about that by myself, but yeah, no, that's just, Hey, I guess, uh, just to, to say like email us at bending the elements, uh, gmail.com. If we're just creeps, uh, <laughs> for thinking of any of this or not. And if I'm a creep for still looking, well, okay. I don't fully look at Tylee in a, uh, attractive manner, but man, she is, very adorable i will say that as you yeah said. very cute and has a very kind of different personality than some of the characters we've seen oh so my far. goodness yes i mean we just saw my who again loves poetry and uh air string instruments and this here is like she's doing a handstand with like her index fingers she's a contortionist slash you know uh trapeze artist slash 
um, yoga practitioner potentially. Um, I'm, I'm telling you what, man, like I said, I wish if you didn't get it, by the way, I alluded to her back in, um, the firebending master. Oh, did you? Or no. Or was it whatever the one with, uh, Zhang Zhang? Oh, oh, I don't remember. Did, did I put it in the spoiler section? I can't remember. Okay. So you didn't put it in the spoiler section. I was very vague about it, but like, if you heard, you heard, okay. um, I basically said like, they're going to this like fire festival or the, the yeah, it's a uh, fire nation festival. And I was like, Oh, maybe like, you know, a circus performer will show up here. Oh, well then. Yeah. Circus performer. <laughs> well then, yeah, that's not a spoiler section worthy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, because sometimes I know going back that I missed a couple of them and that I left them in there accidentally, just from. Uh, but, but I will say at least for her design, she's the most. Like I'm not saying any of these guys aren't um, Japanese animation inspired, like you know the the you know type of design I'm talking about, but she's probably the most closest looking, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah, uh, but anyways, platypus bear and it's uh, it's kin cub, I guess. Yeah, so that that scene, yeah, um, basically Azula offers like, oh, come join my quest. I gotta check out. Or I gotta go track down that this weirdo uncle that I've got. Maybe you remember him. But Tylee's <laughs> like, no, I'm pretty happy in the circus, so uh, not interested. And Azula's like, well, you know that that's fine, but I want to come and check out your show. But she has a very ominous kind of air to her. Something about how she looks. Oh yeah! By the way, how do these two know each other? Uh, Fire Nation Academy. Yeah. Whether it's you know, uh, all girls school or all boys school, I have no idea. Yeah, they mentioned it's a girls school. Oh yeah, it was a girls school. You're right. Uh, so whether that means Zuko went to an all boys school, who even knows? Yeah, if he even went to school, it's hard to say with Zuko. He might have just been personally uh, trained and instructed. Yeah, no, homestructed or homestructed, homeschooled. Excuse me. Oh, but speaking of being homeschooled, here we have this resistance where they're all living underground and what the? <laughs> okay. I was also going to mention. I wish that when uh, this is this is weird. This is really stupid of me, but I wish when Tylee was uh, doing her little stretching there, where she like brings her foot up to her head, basically, as most you know people that flexible can do. Um, I don't know why. I kind of wanted to see more muscles on her. Because, like, you do that, you're really, like, flexing your muscles. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. So, and now that we're meeting up with Resistance, here's where we learn what's happened to the uh, the city. And we learn about King Boomy's kind of role in the occupation. Where, when they arrived, immediately with his own wacky, unpredictable ways, he immediately surrendered mad genius yeah and he didn't uh, i guess he didn't really tell his folks what his plan was or anything and so they on their own decided to do this invasion we got to be the defense force of king boomy boomy's abandoned us so still a better decision than in last jedi never mind i'm not gonna shut up <laughs> yeah i'm not sure why i bring that up listen i think i trust king boomy over whatever her name was <laughs> yeah but would you trust him if you were serving under him because again this guy doesn't seem to want to explain his uh, his actions to his people. No, that's true. But he is a hundred years old, so you can you know excuse that fact. I'm just kidding. Yeah, especially if that's like a vital part of like earth bending. These are all earthbenders. But I guess we'll get to that stuff later. Yeah, of course. But so Aang, he's like you know 
you guys doing this resistance. Uh, it doesn't really seem like there's enough of you to really contend with a whole army. So maybe King Boomy was right, and you guys should just give it up. And I like that there's only one guy who's like, what, give it up? That's crazy. Everyone else is like, ah, oh, no, that sounds pretty reasonable. Maybe we should give it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in terms of, like, numbers and attrition and strategy, it's like, no, it's not the worst idea to, like, you know, run away. Yeah, they all just poke um, their heads out like, no, that sounds pretty good. We want to give up now. <laughs> yeah, nobody had thought of that beforehand, where it's just, like, this one dude in charge was like, he has a name, I forgot his name. But, like, yeah, maybe we should do that. We don't, yeah, these guys probably are the guards. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to the previous guards, by the way, because they the ones that had, like, the really cool gloves on from the previous you know from you know king of mashu yeah i don't know where they all are maybe they're this i don't know maybe it's the changing of the season maybe it was those are winter clubs i don't know but yeah i thought there'd be more guards but yeah so they all kind of the leader of this resistance kind of decides goes with everyone's unanimous decision like hey why don't we just run away it's like okay <laughs> it's called tactical retreat mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, called run away oh and talking about tactics um they're all like oh we've got all these people like I mean, we can't just leave them. How are we, we going to get them all to the city? And Sokka, was it Sokka who brought it up again? Like, hey, I've got an idea. It was the man that got uh, purple pentapoxed himself. Uh, yeah, the originator. Pentapied. Patient Zero. Patient Zero. Sokka gives them the idea of we're all going to turn into purple pentapoxes. I mean, pies. Yeah, and so they, they go back down to the sewer. They pull out a bunch of these little buddies and... Just slap them on people's faces. Who knows if... You, you get a purple pen pie, and you get a purple pen pie. Yeah, who knows if these things actually have some diseases. Maybe we shouldn't have them sucking up on you, but uh, I guess they'll find out in a few weeks. A <laughs> <laughs> few days, few hours, who knows? When they all leave and start getting weird fevers. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like the idea. Very, uh, it's, 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 it's an instant idea in a way uh maybe not instant but it's a uh, quick idea i'd say yep of um instead of like figure like kind of back in the uh northern air temple it took the whole episode for like you know not the whole episode but like partway through the episode Sokka discovered what the uh idea was for some of those solutions in that battle this is just like almost instantly as soon as the problem comes it's just like no it was set up before so we're gonna do it this way I like that, though. Yeah. And they're not the center. They're not the main focus of the episodes to kind of get that stuff out of the way quick. Which shows you that. And it also gets rid of any collateral damage. And I do like the little bit where they're kind of training. Sokka's like, oh, this is how you got to act with this because he's the one who did it originally. And I like that old man walks through and he's like, oh, I already got it down. Years of practice. <laughs> Knocks his old little wooden leg. I thought that was kind of a cute little bit. Yeah, that was a gag. I just realized something. No, you know who didn't show up? The cabbage guy. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. I don't know if we've seen him so far this season. Hmm. Yeah, he hasn't shown up yet. I was very surprised by that. Anyway, um, but yeah, he's like, all right, here's how, here's where you gotta do it. So I just I got this off of like this one guy I saw at the carnival that we were at that one time in the fire bidding masters. He had a really weird like red jacket on. I uh, did something to his hair and whatnot, and like. Uh, he had some weird stuff on his face. It was, like, this is some weird makeup made him look like kind of ghoulish in a way. And he had all his like backup dancers come out of graves and whatnot. And he did like these really weird moves where he like had his hands up like this, like you're sitting on something or whatever. You're about to like give somebody a massage. And then he like torqued his hips and it went back and forth and they all yelled thriller. Oh boy. 
Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know how you got to that one. but In the daytime, by the way. <laughs> not at night. They do this in the daytime. Uh, that's not that's not great. Um, careful, everybody. They all have COVID. I mean, I mean the principal Penapox is... Oh, but uh, as they're, they're going to enact that plan, Aang decides that he can't leave with them, and he still has to go on the search for, for Boomy himself. So... Yeah, you just he, none of them know where he is, so they're like they're they're probably holding him somewhere secure, which makes sense. You could you probably could have asked like, ah, oh, maybe they where where would they like find them? Uh, it's like, oh, I don't know, maybe royal vaults. I don't know. Um, be funny if they like hit him in some of those areas where he uh, fought in the uh, first episode. That'd be funny if those the, remember those uh, like three gladiators or whatever it was in the uh, yep. in the King of Omashu. I wish those guys showed up again. That'd be kind of funny. Yeah, they should have shown up with Flopsy. I guess we'll get to that in a minute because uh, first yeah. we oh and also yeah before that Momo is hungry. Yeah, they do set that up. That's yeah. that's that's uh, that's important. I mean that's probably fair. You know, animals do need to eat. I mean it's like us. Obviously, they have to ingest their food for pit's sakes. Speaking of ingesting food, yeah, we see the governor at a distance of like seeing these these masses, you know, kind of conglomerating and them all having purple pentapoxes, and um, he's like, "What's going on here?" Like, Governor Tarkin didn't have these many of these problems, you know, on the Death Star. So it's like, how am I? Why am I like dealing with a plague? I've heard of it though. It's uh, it's it's contagious. I think a friend of mine had it. Yeah, and I guess the guards, even his closest guards, work all on rotation because this was uh, just happens to be one of the guards that met Sokka the day before. So yeah, so he's like, oh yeah, okay. So very convinced, but yeah, Flopsy anyways, because Ang's you know go on the move. He's on the prowl. He's on his beat. He's on doing his beat, and all of a sudden he seems Flopsy. Yeah, poor Flopsy. Now he's a beast of burden. I'm not even sure what he was doing there, but he was doing something. Uh, he was helping, he was helping the Fire Nation economy with their cryptocurrency. <laughs> I thought maybe they were just like, oh, he's got too much energy. Let's just attach him to something and make him, make him go endlessly. That way he can't fight back. He certainly does. Oh man. It's, and especially when he sees Aang again, it's like, oh, my old buddy, how you doing? Yeah, that's kind of cute. It's like, I'm good, Flopsy. Get him out of there. He doesn't need to be in that wheel. Exactly. I mean. It would need to be a few wheels, let's be honest here, because if he's going to, like, you know, Conan the Barbarian this, it's like... <laughs> Good reference. Oh, but because you mentioned Momo, Momo's flying around, he's he's taken off from the group. Oh, all this zombieing, it's not so fun. I got to fill my little belly. Uh, Where's some food? Yep. He's on the beat. He's he's trying. He's hitting the streets, and he's like, "Where can I find me some food?" And he finds this one like location somewhere, and he's like, "Ooh, like red looking raspberries." Yeah, raspberries are always red. It's blue raspberries you got to be careful of. Food central, and so now we get a little bit of uh, Baby's Day Out, or, or I don't know, some sort of Pixar short or something, where <laughs> where when he's going around looking in the generous, the janitors, looking in the generals, the generals, <laughs> the generals room, he eats the berries and the little floppy babies. Like, hey, what's this thing eating these berries? Who, who's this guy? I want to play with his tail. Yeah, first, you know, the baby is the governor's baby, by the way, Mai's brother. Yep. Uh, first, he's first, he's um, first, he's playing with his teddy bear, or, you know, equivalent, whatever bear it is in this world. And then he goes and is like, "Ooh, tail, because baby and just, you know, is like mine and or so- something to play with and, you know, chases him, 
somehow gets onto the railing as like Momo flies away. Like first, so Momo flies away, and in like a few seconds of him like trying to regain his like composure, the baby had gone outside. Maybe the door was open, and then somehow climbed, and he's like you know baby height, like probably two year old, climb maybe two year old climbed onto the balcony and the railing, and then just like goes to him. Like that was pretty quick. Yep. Hey, he's quick, man. He's quick on his feet. I guess he's quick like a sister. I have no idea. <laughs> he's springy, too. He jumped up there. That's how he got up. <laughs> uh, pretty much. And uh, for some reason, how this episode wasn't made PG, as Momo panics, as he should, because he doesn't want to be, you know, attacked. Um, <laughs> everybody go to 1201. That is such a funny image. Uh, good still image right there. But um, as Momo, like, gets out of there, and is Momo, uh, you know, uh, uh, an evil person for doing this, for for letting a baby, like, you know, fall off a, fall off a window or fall off a roof? Uh, no, because he was reacting to, you know, yep. being attacked. Uh, but yeah, as I said, uh, how this episode didn't get a PG rating or something like that. Um, every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, this this is a terrible supervision. First, not supervising Momo. And second, I... who's watching <laughs> that baby? <laughs> Yes, both of them, my friends, like, goodness gracious. And then like, yeah, baby falls somehow, of course, because, you know, <laughs> like they're going to show a toddler like, you know, fall from like, I don't know how high it is, but let's just say like maybe three stories onto like, you know, pavement face first uh, lands on a convenient slide because slides are everywhere um, uh, full of berries. Yep. And then Momo, still on the hunt for some food, lands on that same slide and same cart. He's like, oh, here we go. Some more berries. This is great. No baby around. Oh, crap. That baby's still here. So. <laughs> Why are you attacking me? What is my fate? Why is my, what have I done to lead, like, lead you to this? And he tries to fly off and the baby grabs his tail and yeah, disaster. And that's when they land over by the procession of people and they, they walk out with them. I guess they're like, oh, a crowd. Let's just move with the crowd. As the governor had uh, earlier stated that uh, he wishes for them to be all uh, purged from the city. So he's like, open the gates, don't touch them. Yep. Or else there'll be, um, potentially the plague will spread and we wouldn't want that now, would we? Yeah, before we find out what happened there, we have to jump back over to the circus, find out what's going on with Azula and, and Ty Lee. And uh I guess it's like a Fire Nation traveling or maybe just anything that's in this area has to have the Fire Nation banners around to get by. <laughs> uh, so there's like a Fire Nation like horse farm, yeah. there's a Fire Nation farm. There's a you got it's like Batman, you got to brand everything. Fire Fire Nation wagon dealership, Fire Nation boat dealership or marina. It's a sag. It seems like she's the only audience member. Maybe they're putting out the performance just for her. At least I couldn't see anyone else. Yeah, I thought there yeah, I thought there was like a lot of people around. Um, I couldn't tell at first. I thought it was, um, but I also thought like, where are the other performers? I kind of wanted to see mm-hmm. some of the other performers. Like, if they had, you know, the strong man, the bearded lady, um, any like small people doing uh, interesting things, uh, juggling acts, tr- juggling like you know, two hundred uh, small throwing knives. Which I wonder if Mike could do. We have to. I'll have to ask her that one of these days. But it'd be interesting if she could. I did want to comment because this scene plays kind of strangely. So, I mean, I guess Ty Lee thinks maybe the circus was just being reckless with her because it seems like she doesn't realize that um, Azula 
was the one who was like, let's let's set the the safety net on fire, make it more dangerous. And that's the scene when we see the the net catch on fire. We see like the the stands and they're empty. So I see. Okay. So I was wondering what was going, what was going on there. At least I think it was the stands. Probably. Uh, I'm pretty sure the ringmaster wasn't for no no. That, by the way, I don't, I don't. I'm pretty sure like. Like he didn't like all of a sudden like turn on Tyler. That's that's not the case. It's just that you know, again, Azula has that that air of deception and vileness, and she basically could hurt you if she wanted to. So yeah. she basically manipulated him into doing so. So you know, nothing on him, I'd say. Even though he is Fire Nation. <laughs> just kidding. All Fire Nation people are bad. Even this ringmaster who, you know, is has a traveling circus. He's scared of his wits. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We'll get to the Ty Lee question a little bit later, but first we had to cut back to Flopsy and the group, and the Earth Earth Nation folks did a head count to see who all got out of the city. And they dis- Earth Kingdom. <laughs> they discovered there was one other person that they were not expecting, the baby. Well, yeah the 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 main the main dude in charge was like, yeah, everyone's here, uh, except we have one over. Like, wait a minute, how's that happened? <laughs> did one of the uh one of the Fire Nation citizens not want to be here anymore did they catch uh purple pentapox or what uh no it was a baby it's like what okay well this is anybody anybody seen this child no oh great we're gonna have to go to customer service and like you know ask them hey we got a baby here like is there are their parents missing and you gotta go all the way to customer service, and you gotta like ask them, and you know, it'll wait to take a bit, and then you gotta wait there with the child and whatnot, and like talk to the receptionist and see how their day is doing and all that stuff, and then wait for the parents to come back, and then you have their, their talk with them, and they thank you, and like you thank them, and blah blah blah, and then you go your separate ways, and then maybe you go to the food court and like eat something. I don't know. Uh, uh but we we do cut back to uh. The governor realizing that his baby's gone and he thinks it was an intentional kidnapping, which uh, turns out to be very lucky for our group that that comedy of errors happened with Momo because that's the the tool that they're going to use to finally get their hands back on King Boomy. So, so that worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's that, that, that is fair. Yeah. And then we cut back over to Azula and Ty Lee. And yeah, that, that's what I was curious about because Ty Lee immediately is like, yeah. You know, I think I think things aren't working out so great here. So I want to join your mission. But yeah, and uh, she it's not even that like she almost seems shocked mm-hmm. or at least like. Yeah, like Stepford wives possessed in a way like she's yeah, I it just it's like it, I have decided because of my aura, my aura, my aura is telling me to go around uh, and, and hang around you for the next little while. So I'm going to do that in a non tiley speaking way way of speaking excuse me it was that reaction that was making me wonder if she knew that azula did it and was like okay you know i don't want to mess with azula too much clearly she's willing to do whatever it takes to get me to join this mission so okay i'm ready to join your mission now huh after you put my life at risk azula will take no for an answer <laughs> so i wasn't too sure which way to go with that scene but well i mean we see azula tell the ringmaster to set the ring on fire well first he said first she's like remove the net uh i'm gonna like put my foot down to say no he's she's like okay you know what you're right on that okay set the nun on fire okay uh sets the nun on fire hey you got any like live animals that you could use um 
Don't want to know if any of those animals got caught in the fire. Azula, I don't like you. <laughs> or I just mean for because I'm not sure if Tylee would have known. I mean, maybe she wouldn't asked him. I feel like she would have. I'm pretty, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure she knew it was. Because if he never did this beforehand, then this seems completely out of character for him. Yeah. And Azula shows up two and two make five. That's fair. That's fair. So anyway, yeah, Tylee is now coming along with Azula. So she has one uh, crew member with her, or at least partner, or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. on her quest. That's more than Zuko had. All she, well, I don't know if Uncle Iroh counts. Yeah. Like, Uncle Iroh is his own thing. I guess Tylee is also his own thing, but Uncle Iroh intent, like, willingly wanted to do this. Tylee was coerced into it, so that's a different story. That's true. Uh, but we get kind of a, a minorly interesting scene with the uh, back of the Earth Nation camp where they're Sokka and Katara kind of playing with the baby. Uh, but the lead guard that we've seen so far, he's not too impressed by that baby. He's like, ah, maybe it looks cute right now, but just wait until he grows up to be just another hideous uh, Fire Nation trooper or whatever. So he's pretty closed off to that baby. So I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and either like in a moment of... Either in like a moment of... Like reflection, we we point from after Katar gives her little spiel of like, does this look like the face of a killer to you? We go back to him and he gives like a very like stone cold, not stone cold, but he gives a very like neutral face. And that's that's up to your. I think that's very like interpretive of whether or not he's like reflecting on what she's like a quick just reflection of maybe she's right or didn't think about it that way. I, I kind of like that moment of just giving that guy some some character of like. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's right. I mean, it's not like, you know, the Fire Lord himself was a child and we will see him as a child at one point. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of something. Yeah, I, I can appreciate those old details like that. Yeah, everybody was a baby at one point. It's not like like Zulu was a child at one point and so was Admiral Zhao. Yeah. You know, he's no longer of this earth anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. And even that little hawk that we see bringing the message was a child. But uh yeah. It was a baby at one point. Yeah. Now it's bringing a message saying that the governor wants to do a prisoner exchange, the baby for, for King Boomy. Was it Tom Tom or I think? Yeah, it's Tom Tom. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a prisoner transfer from Silverock 11438. <laughs> <laughs> but um, cutting after that scene, um, Azula and, and Ty Lee also are coming to the city of Amashu. A little bit of bad, uh, bad timing there because uh, Azula wants to find her next um, part of her little troop, her little trio, uh, May or my, depending on how you uh, want to say it. <laughs> um, so well, first we we see like you know Angatara and Sokka with Tom Tom approach Bossing Say again as New Days approaches. As you said, I'm a little like, I don't know. I'm a little. I'm a little skeptical. Maybe uh, Zula and Tali were in the area. Maybe that all took place like a few days ago. And so we're finally getting to present day, but it just seems like, eh, it seems like a cool, like it might've taken a while from them, but even though if they have like the best transportation in the, you know, entire in the entire earth, I still feel like it's got a little, I think they got a little too quick there. Unless again, it was a passage of time. Yeah. It's, it's a weird complaint because we didn't never saw um, the, the exact time frame. It's just cut together that way. So it could have been that she yeah. entirely like days ago. I'm going to assume so. And they traveled here from that. Cause it's like, if it takes the crew, if it takes the gang to like travel, you know, several days or weeks worth, it's like Zula just showing up out of the blue like that. It's like, okay. I mean, I always set her up, but like, I'm, I'm just going with my headcanon of it took a while for her to come here, but yeah, it was all like in the past. 
Yeah. And it also gives her time of what she was doing while, like, you know, the other two episodes occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it might be there, but anyway, that's it's minor. So, yeah, apparently it turns out that, um, well, one day, uh, I, don't, I don't know what happened at that, you know, Fire Nation school they all went to. But, like, man alive, one day, I guess we, we saw young Mai sitting in the corner practicing her, vi- her air violin and writing her poetry and whatnot. And th- those, like, her her artistry, like, just impressed Tai Lee uh because she's you know an artist herself uh being like uh, uh probably probably does ballet uh is a contortionist and whatnot yoga practitioner and acrobatics that's what it is she's an acrobatic an, an acrobat excuse me um and that impressed her and then like azula's over there being like those guys are over there and they're having fun they're not allowed to have fun without me and so she goes over there and it's like you're not my friends uh okay you're my friends or else i threaten you with lightning Zula, why you must be? Why must you be like this? Oh, by the way, uh, I just uh, played a scene with audio when uh, Azula was mentioning uh, May's name, and she did say May. So okay, well that's kind of stupid because the way May is pronounced is different than my, and usually May is pronounced with an e. However, I will backtrack and state that it's a different culture. So, and I don't mean like fictitious culture, but like may can, you know, be said differently in, in uh, different uh, cultures and languages, uh, such as my name being said very differently in several languages. Yeah. And I mean, let's not forget, no uh, name is a monolith. People usually spell their names differently, but we'll still pronounce them. Agreed. You know, sometimes parents just like to be a little more unique in that way. But, um, uh, yes, but during that scene, I was just mentioning, that's when uh, Azula, she's in there with the governor. She's kind of getting an update on what's going on. And she's like, oh, well, you've been incompetent. You let all these Earth Nation folks out of here. Uh, we're going to take over this prisoner exchange. And we're going to see how we can handle this as a unit. And my father charged you with the city and you're a big screw up. So get in the corner. So, <laughs> And that's all she does. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the point of this? Like, what is the what does the city do? uh like what's the economic uh abilities of this place what does it mean for the fire fire nation other than just like having another city under their control because now they gotta bring in troops so it's like do they have the resources for this is this going to provide them resources we don't know all that stuff obviously the governor would but like all azula is here for is just like i guess you know like taking names and and taking this guy's name of like i'm you know i'm in charge here (laughs) Well, really, she's just here for May, so. Jeez. Wait a minute. Okay, now I'm actually in Just Give me a second here. I want to know something. Sure. Okay, so it would seem as though Azula is 14 in the entire, like, like Avatar of the Last Airbender series. Oh, okay, sure. 14. Okay, so she's the same age as one of my... Uh, I guess co-fighters at my gym. Hmm. That's hilarious. That's really hilarious. Oh, but I guess we'll see how the fight scene goes. As uh... opposite personality, by the way, completely like this. This this girl is she's like the salt of the earth, like very humble and, and awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a Zula to me. Pretty uh, pretty humble. <laughs> but um, sure, I'll let somebody else be the deciding factor of that. 
Uh, but at this prisoner exchange, we finally see that King Boomy is still alive and they've got him locked up. And what I'm guessing is like an iron or some sort of metal box. Just his head broken out. Iron Maiden. Probably not. I think it's an iron coffin. Yeah. And Azula's like, you know, this doesn't seem like a like a very good trade here. I mean, we're trading this this stupid little baby. Can't really do anything versus this this great kind of earthbending master. Like, eh, I don't know about this. And May's like, yeah, I don't care about that kid at all. The deal's off. Her own brother. <laughs> That's yeah. By the way, this fight, I mean, they're pretty reckless with that baby there. I mean, they're kicking around Sokka, and he's almost like flying off the edge with that baby. I was like, oh, man, me. Yeah, I have. Okay, so a few things. Uh, one, Azula mentions that oh, it's no longer called Mashu. It's now called New Ozai. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. I don't know if that'll come back at all or not. And as we pan into that, we actually see a what looks like under construction and a crane being there. Uh, under construction, a giant Ozai statue. Mm. Very, uh, wait a minute. Wait, a giant Ozai statue. That means you can see his face, sort of. Oh, golly. Okay, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this quickly now. Oh, we can almost see his face. Remember, he's not, we never, we, oh my goodness, we can see his face. And we go to 1645, we can see his face behind a bunch of scaffolding. <laughs> oh yeah, mages away from there. Ignore that. <laughs> It's not like I thought I figured you would. And there's the crane right there, by the way. Uh, it's not like the scaffolding was used in a uh, something further later down the line, or at least an alternate take. Let's put it that way. And so we then uh, enter Boomy. Um, uh, by what was his name? Francis Salogsneo, I believe. I said that completely wrong. I just wanted to say that name right because I didn't get it from the last time. Oh, okay, sure. Um, but yeah, he comes back, and yeah, you know they have the Zula's use that uses yeah. that logic, and yeah, I already said all that stuff, so I can. Yeah, I'm 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 a little, yeah, I'm I'm just a little. I know you said that, but I'm I'm just a little like curious as to why. Well, as you said, like he's why why May goes with it since that's her brother. Uh, yeah. That's... Unless she's confident enough to, like, take him back by force. Mm. Again, they're playing pretty risky with that baby there. I mean, May's throwing knives around. Ty Lee punched Sokka as he was running, and he almost went flying off the edge. So, it did seem like weird, uh, either directing, or I'm not sure what that was, but it didn't seem very, uh, yeah, it made her seem like a pretty bad sister, but Oh yeah, no, no, totally. Like whether whether or not this is a brother of, you know, pure blood or half brother, who knows? We're not gonna go there. Yeah, but instead we're gonna return to the slides, which I was very happy to see making a return for the the slides return for the fight of the episode. That's uh, so awesome. Yep, and they're utilized as they obviously should be. Oof. Yeah, no, Tylee, what the hey? Just like punching Sokka from the ground. Yep. Or from underneath like the ground. What the hey, man? Um Yeah, but um That's that was a cool action scene where like Katara whips the water at the ground, brings up some boards, and then they happen to all block the uh, knives that Namai throws at May throws at her, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but on the uh, the slides there, uh King Boomy keeps trying to tell Aang, like, hey Aang, I, I you know I gotta talk to you about something. Just listen to me for a second. But Aang's too busy kind of being distracted by the fight and just being happy that Boomy's back in general. So 
and we get kind of a cool fight with uh, with Azula there. Um, again, they're kind of distanced because they're both on opposing slides, but there's still some cool kind of visuals with uh, how Aang deflects her blasts, her her blue blasts, <laughs> as it were. Uh, yeah, there's no, unfortunately, there's, I wish there was another scene. Uh, if you remember back in King of Amashu, uh, they had that scene where they were going down the slides and they got out of hand and then they went into that one room or whatever. They like the, did that funny thing where like go they go through somebody's house. I wish they did that. That would have been fun. Also, yeah. also I wish that's like stop, not motion, but like that, that freeze frame where they like land in front of those guards and then continue on. I wish that happened as well. <laughs> like just something like calling back to it. It's, I don't think that's like. Oh, they're just repeating themselves. It is, but it's in like a funny way. A good homage, I'd say. I wish they did that, but it's okay that they didn't. Yeah, maybe the fight was supposed to seem a little bit more intense, especially when we cut back to uh, Katara and she's trying out some of her water bending, and she almost kind of puts the kibosh on May's uh, knife defenses. But it's for Tylee to come in and, and use something that we've never seen before, I don't think, up to this point, and it manages to uh, stop Katara's bending. So. Hmm, wonder what's going on there. Something on that she does with her hand. She doesn't do like praying mantis style, but she uses like the you know her knuckles and uh indents of her finger to like do something to her, like taking her ability away to bend. It's very interesting. Yeah, and I think it's kind of cool. And they uh slip in every time she makes contact, they slip in one frame of white. So it's kind of a cool effect doing it like that. Yeah, something like that felt a little bit like out of an old kung fu movie for like a punch they would do like a, yeah. a flash like that show the impact yeah um yeah we'll have to we'll have to see more i think we'll see more of tylee later so we'll yep. uh we'll get to know more of that and know the nature behind this unique reason as to probably why azula chose her yes i don't know whether it was for her personality or if it was for you know what she possesses yeah, but uh, right before, because Katara's about to meet Nend, she, she, her bending's taken away, she's far away. May's knife hand is unfrozen. It seems like all hope is lost, uh, but old old buddy Sokka pops in with his little boomerang uh, knife thing. <laughs> I forget what that's called. Yeah, after, yeah, boomerang. Yeah. Uh, after, you know, I think it was May saying, like, you know, well, you're not so tough without your bending, and then Sokka's like, hey. Yep. I exist. <laughs> All right. I'm doing pretty good. It's like Sokka's still alive, so he can certainly post that. Yeah, and Appa, boy, they just, he flaps his tail and the two of them go flying off the building. How they did not break their necks after yep. that is beyond me, but we're moving past that. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's a kid's show. Because <laughs> we saw when, we saw when Sokka almost flew off the edge. That was a big drop. That's true. And... <laughs> It is a big drop. So, and especially when we saw Azula like on top of that statue and scaffolding there, like it's a very long drop. So, I, I you know, whatever. I mean, it's hey. again, I, the, the episode already got away with like, you know, having a baby fall off a freaking <laughs> uh, ceiling or something off a freaking roof. So, like, I think, I think we, we have to like ignore the whole logic behind the fact that they may have snapped their necks. Hey, you know, maybe. Maybe we don't want to spoil. Maybe they did die. We don't know what happens after this episode. So, uh... Or maybe they did, like, you know, land on their side of their necks and then Tylee did that thing where she blocked Katara's, uh, or I mean, did something to her bending and re realigned her necks, or her and May's necks. Oh, there you go. There you go. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Probably possible. I have no idea. Oh, but then we, we cut back to the Azula and, and Aang chase, and that's basically in the same kind of spot. <laughs> Still just been blasts and defenses, and don't really see too much change until suddenly a rock appears in the path. And Azula's... Uh, yeah, Boomy, like, sees this, like, fire wheel come down, and he then, like, most he jerks his, like, head back, because his head's still exposed in this coffin there. At least they're nice to give him, like, breathing room. Mm-hmm. Um, giving some room to breathe. Um, and then after that, yeah, Rock appears. Hmm. Hmm. Sure, something's up there. Anyways. And Boomy, almost immediately after that, he's like, Ang's like, what? You could do, you could bend all along? He's like, oh, they didn't cover up my head. Ha ha ha. Those wacky, uh, snort laughing. I can't do. (laughs) And then we get a big kind of, uh, discussion between the two of them. Oh yeah, and the the rock also like smacks Azula's little trolley there, so she's no longer able to fall them down, and she ruins her shoes because there's no way that those shoes are gonna like uh, survive since they like probably have like scorch marks or something like that on the slide. Anyways, but yeah, they arrive at the bottom, and yeah, have a discussion. Yeah, and we find out that um, King Boomy's decision to surrender wasn't just his wacky brain playing tricks on him. It was actually using a vital component of his uh, master earthbending skills. Neutral Jin, which I... Is it Jing? Jin? I think it's Jing. It's J-I-N-G, and it sounds like they're saying Jin. Yeah. Actually, no, sorry. No, yeah, Jin. Yeah. Yeah, because an Aang knows about... Um, well, what are the two that he says? <laughs> Let me quickly remind uh, Positive and neutral. Positive and neutral, excuse me. And yeah, he's surprised, like, oh, what's this? And we learn that neutral gin is an important component of, of earthbending. It's about having the ability to uh, kind of listen and, and wait before you act. So I guess that's uh, that's interesting to introduce. As I said before, and according to Boomy, there are 85 uh, forms of gin. And so apparently Momo's mastered a few of them himself, which is nice to know. I'd like to get, I, I, if, the, if the creators do make another series, I'd like to know the other um 82 of them be cool that'd be very nice to know um basically i'll elaborate a bit i don't think this is a spoiler um the idea is is that these jings are jins are basically like you know as he mentioned fighting styles um and you can break them down into the four earth or earth uh bending arts so we have you know positive which is you know attacking so you're you're moving forward uh that's definitely what fire bending is like at least the way they're presented here, it's very much, yeah, you go, you move forward uh, with lots of, like, kicks and sweeps and whatnot. Um, very aggressive. Um, defense, meaning that you pull back. You're not really, you're falling back, you're evading. Or airbending at its finest. Um, airbenders are best when they're, like, you know, getting away from the action and, again, like, to separate themselves from any violence. Um what is water bending? Well, you see, it's actually both. It's both neutral and positive, uh, because they can, because of how like you know fluid water and 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 um, not just fluid, but how um, uh, malleable water can be. Uh, it can go between both you know attack and defense. So they go either attack and they can come back and be completely defensive. So that really works. And then of course, I guess Ang didn't know this that neutral gin 
is the way earthbenders work, where they wait and then strike. So counterfighters, as we call them in the UFC. <laughs> yeah, one of his early lessons in the uh, the earthbending realm. So that's that's kind of fun that they, even though Boomy's not going to be his regular trainer, still gives him like an important tool that he's going to need to master. I do. Uh, yeah, I guess in in this case he's a little more important than he was in King of Amashu, at least for you. I mm. mean, he actually, he has a reason and purpose to be here, other than Ang. You know, familiar face for Ang. Um. I, I still question why, obviously, he's captured. He wants to be here. I'm still, I, I assume, like, Boomy himself has mastered neutral Jin if he's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just interested why he didn't choose to train Aang, but I assume it's like, my place is here, and I can't teach you at this point. So, yeah, unless you want to, you know, <laughs> just live in secret in this place for the next, like, you know, several months as I train <laughs> you in this stuff. Yeah, and to be fair, we've seen how King Boomy looks. He does not look like he'd be fit for a, a journey that they have to take. So maybe he knows that his place is trying to work to defend his his city. Oh, of course. Oh, I meant like he's intentionally li- li- like staying here. I'm yeah. just saying like Ang would also have to stay here and probably wouldn't join with them. Maybe we don't know. You're just like intentionally like, all right, I'll be here waiting for my moment. Yep. But um. Is there is there much more there? I, I feel like that's kind of it for the that sequence at least. Uh he uses his face again to send the rock back up, which is awesome. Um then we see uh Appa and Sokka and Katara go pop up in the background. Uh we then cut to a scene of Azula, May and Oh yeah. Kelly walking away they did live they they, yeah they did live and their necks are fine and um tylee mentioning to uh may that they're gonna go try to track down her uncle and her brother which she alludes to something about Mm. may enjoying that yeah that's interesting Mm. maybe somebody finally was won over by her poetry and her uh air violin oh We'll have to find out about that. Zuko does love uh, playing the world's smallest violin as well. So, oh yeah, they probably would make a really good duet there. So, yeah, and then we get that cute final scene with Aang returning the baby to the uh, the the mourning parents, who probably at this point assume that their their kid's dead. So, because <laughs> May and them, yeah, I don't know why. Oh, I guess so. That makes sense. Yeah, they return without the baby. So. They're probably like, oh, if only we wouldn't have listened to that terrible Azula. Our, our child's just gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. I, I, I wish May were here to be playing them a dirge on her, you know, Eric violin, but that isn't the case. Um, in this case, yeah, no, she because she left already. But in a, uh, this is me projecting, but in a moment of, this is obviously Aang to a T, but as I mentioned earlier on in the episode, um, I'm not going to say it's, um damage control and or realizing their mistakes um and making amends for what happened in Batao, the water tribe but this time ang instantly returns something uh that is not his and uh gently gives the child back to the governor and governess um behind their backs of course and uh we just end with them bracing them and uh yeah and walking away with a smile that was a good ending that was that's very good uh i very much enjoyed that that was that was very heartwarming yeah i agree even though yeah zula now knows 
who Aang is. I don't know if she ever got like a description of him, but at least, you know, she finally knows who he is and she he now has another uh stalker and tracker on his on his tail. So best be warned, but let's uh let's let's end it on like a good note. Uh directed by Ethan Spalding, by the way. Oh, there we go. There you go. To close that out. Yeah, and since we close the episode now, uh, what are your final thoughts on this one? What'd you think? Final thoughts, very enjoy- much enjoyed this. Um, despite the way it looked, I mean, what can you do? Uh, they chose that art style, so I can uh, live with that. But I enjoyed it. We got some new characters. Uh, this time for Azula uh, to bounce off of. Maybe. Um, and we got to go back to Omashu. Uh, and... We didn't, yeah, this time I think there was a little more reason, like, it was set up early on, like, in book one that, well, book one, sorry, uh, in episode one, that they wanted to go to Bumi to see, uh, to get Mang to be uh, mastering, or, or starting earthbending, which is smart, and I'm glad they did that. They actually intentionally gave Bumi a reason to exist, not just from episode five and the first season book, but now there's a reason. You'll be Aang's Earth teacher, but that was not the case, because it's been captured, and it is nice to again show that the Fire Nation is still like on the move, and what once was a you know safe city is no longer the case. Though to be fair, they probably would have stood a chance uh, if Bumi had probably declared war. But I don't know. But we got yeah, we got. I think it was a good plot. I don't think there was really any holes in there. Maybe there was. I couldn't even tell you, but. Um, I enjoyed it at the end. What did you think, sir? Well, I, I echo much of the, the same things that you're saying. Um, I appreciate seeing Aang being so driven just to, to find that friend of his, some connection, and just tired of the Fire Nation kind of taking everything away from him. So I thought that was a, a cool aspect. And I really enjoyed the new uh, Azula trio. I'm curious to see how that's going to go. But yeah, overall, even though it was um, maybe not a, a big standout in the visual department was kind of a letdown a little bit i mean it was still another good episode for for book two so far so happy to be here and can't wait to get to the next one which i believe is the swamp so well we're going to visit shrek everybody oh get your uh get your overdone overused shrek memes ready because it's gonna be dank yeah i'm excited to get to that one and uh do you have any final words there well, first, I got it wrong. It's Andre Salugznio. My apologies, sir. I got his first name wrong. I thought it was Francis. I'm thinking of a different guy. Um, <laughs> my bad, sir. Uh, did a great job again. Um, well, I would say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those in between, uh, if, uh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and affiliated, uh, if you, your family or not, are in a random city that you went to beforehand town you visited on a family road trip in the summertime for vacation all of a sudden it turns out to be like taken over by something some not so nice people hippies potentially not those guys do you pretend to have a start a plague uh counter the hippie movement or steal all their babies and you know force them to leave who knows I'm not going to be there, but you all will be. Till next time.